0: Yeah, man, I'm glad you're here today. Uh, We got just a couple weeks until we kick off, you know, our actual missions conference. In fact, next week week is our uh, missions launch. And um, I don't know about you, but um, I really, to some degree, enjoy this time of year. Most of you that know me uh, know that um, I love warm weather, and I think all of God's people said, amen. Like, that's one of the blessings of God is just feeling the warmth of the sun on your face um I was in uh Florida seeing my mom about a month ago, and I went out for a walk in the middle of the day. I thought to myself, "This is oppressive, right? The heat there was just so incredibly hot, and uh, i don 't know about you, but I love this time of year because it tends to cool off um You already get to see the Christmas decorations right amen like they 're they 're out right. And uh, Thanksgiving and, uh, you know, uh, Reformation Day comes up on October 31st for those that don't celebrate, you know, that other holiday, right? And so, so I tease about that. But this is, you know, again, this is one of my favorite times of year. But it's largely in part because it's the time of year that we as a church, we begin to really kind of focus about what we're supposed to be about. And I don't, you know, I think that there's this tendency, you know, because I know some of the folks that are sitting in this room, uh, honestly, you we've been doing church together for probably 20 years, 19, 20 years. And um, it would be very easy, right, to walk into a service or a, a month that has an emphasis on missions, right, and for it just to go through the motions, right? And, and so what we want to do, right, over the next month or so is just to ask God to revive our hearts to some degree and to renew our passion for, if you will, for the sake of missions and for the advancement of the gospel. And I love being involved in missions because it allows me and it allows us as a church to be a part of something bigger, something more grand and something more eternal than anything that this life has to offer. Now, I'm watching that video with Jonathan and I'm like kind of tearing up a little bit. You know, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or what, but I'm just kind of like a little bit more emotional nowadays. My kids and I, we watched this movie the other night and my daughter's like, you're going to cry when you see this. And I kind of turned over a couple times during the movie because Brianna's like looking over to see if I'm, you know, I'm swelling up a little bit. I held it in, you know, but it was there. And so, um, but I'm watching that video and I met Jonathan this past uh, January. and We had lunch together and um, he told me, he, says, he was telling me about his desire to go back to, to Brazil. I didn't know that his parents died on the mission field when he was a kid. And I don't know about you, but that just kind of grips your heart a little bit to think that you're going to go back to the city where you lost your parents because they were following Jesus and doing what God had called them to do. Are, are you guys making that connection? And I mean, that takes a lot of confidence in the, the sovereignty of God and the, the providence of God and to follow Jesus no matter where he calls us to. And, and to, to some degree, he's picking up the mantle and the calling that his parents left and they they essentially laid down their lives for the sake of the gospel. And when you think about it, I don't know if you're like this, but the idea of missions seems so distant to us. It seems like, well, that's what other people do. They go to another country where people speak a different language, and they, they eat different food, and um, they do weird stuff. And, and sometimes, you know, uh, it, it's just it's strange. And it just doesn't seem very Real to us. But did you notice what Jonathan mentioned in that video today? We have a heart for God, for the people of this city, and our heart is to plant and to revitalize churches and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, in reality, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing as a church right here at 25800 South Center Road, Money, Illinois? And so the idea of foreign missions is wonderful. But guess what? There's no foreign missions if we don't fulfill the mission of God right here at Jackson Creek Fellowship Church. So I believe with all my heart that Jesus has called us as individuals to advance the gospel on two fronts. He's called us to advance the gospel locally. That's here. But then, in turn, he's also called us to advance the gospel globally. And to some degree, we have to get into our mind that we are a people who are sent? And we talked about this last week because Jesus said, "As God has sent me, so send I you." And you've heard me say over and over again that we are a movement, and movements move. And if you're not moving, you're not part of the movement. And, and so this morning, we need to really begin to evaluate, to some degree, if you will, are you a part of what God is doing and how He is moving? us as a church to advance the gospel locally and then also around the world because the danger of the church in any age in in any and every age is to cease being a movement instead be a place where people attend are you guys with me all right so to some degree american christianity is this we come to church we hear the band and it was really good today amen Did a good job? Maybe. I don't know. I thought they did good. They did good today, right? Good worship today. We like to hear Mike get up. He's usually got something funny to say, and it's, you know, really good, and he prays with power, and then Jason gets up, and, you know, we'll hear him say a couple things that are funny as well, and and then we go home, right? That's church as an institution. Church as a movement says, we're going to come here, The pastors are going to build you up, and then we're going to send you out. Because each and every one of us has a calling to live as a missionary in the neighborhoods and in the workplaces and the schools and the universities to which God has placed us. And so we have to get beyond this mindset that the church is a place that we go, but it is a people that serve so that Christ can be known where Christ isn't known. J.D. Greer says it this way. He says, God wrote involvement into his basic call to follow him. The call to salvation and to serve are one in the same. And I've said this before, and please jot this down. The moment, the moment that you were saved, you were simultaneously called into the mission of God. And if you're truly following, and I I don't want to be heavy-handed, I don't want to guilt anyone, I don't want to shame anyone today. But I want you to understand and feel the weight of the calling of God on our lives. And that is this. If Christ has saved you, he has not just saved you from something. He has saved you for something. God has tasked us. He has called us. And we, as disciples of Jesus Christ, should be so compelled to introduce people to Jesus Christ. We should live for that. And that's what's so fascinating about God is that he, he invites us into this grand narrative and into this grand plan to be a part of something so transcendent, something so special, something so supernatural that most of you are bored out of your mind. You spend your weeks and your evenings watching Netflix and looking through social media and you invest your time and your energy in things that will not live beyond the moment that you take your last breath. And God has something more for those of us who obediently and faithfully follow Him. So what matters most is how many of us are going to be engaged in the mission of God. That's that's really what matters. That's the metric of our church. The metric, God isn't impressed with how big a church is, and He's not embarrassed by how small a church is. But what God is most interested in for us as a church and as individuals is, are we going to be obedient to the call of God to be disciples of Jesus Christ? And that's what matters most. And the scriptures teach us that we can all be engaged in the mission of making disciples. Every one of us can be engaged in reaching the unreached and introducing people to Jesus Christ. And so the question I just want to ask you today is this. And it's not in your notes, but you might write it down. And the question is this. Are you living a life of sentness? S E N T hyphen N E S S. Are you living a life of sentness? And what we find in this passage of scripture is, again, we think that what missionaries do is what, what uh, we've tasked them to do. They're, they're called to do that. That's so foreign to us. But to some degree, we find the very same model of Jesus Christ doing the same thing that you and I should be doing as followers of Jesus Christ. And he breaks it down in a very simple way on how we can engage in the mission of God and become a part of what God is doing. And it might feel overwhelming to consider how you as an individual and how we as a church can reach a world that is lost and yet Jesus breaks it down very simply in this passage of scripture that Pastor Mike read to us this morning. And the first thing that we see Jesus doing and modeling for us as we consider how we are to be a part of the mission of God is this. He simply, in verse 35, if you will, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and listen, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. So the first thing that we see Jesus doing, this is what missionaries do. This is what disciples do. This is what evangelists do. Hey, listen, he declared the gospel of the kingdom. He declared the gospel message that uh, he was here to go to the cross to save them from their sins. And what we find is very simply this. Jesus moved about from city to city proclaiming the gospel. It's as simple as that. He moved about. Every town that he went to, he told people about the gospel. Every neighborhood that he went into, he told people about the gospel. He declared it. He proclaimed it. He lived it out. Jesus had this, this burden to, to proclaim the gospel to the, to the forgotten and the far from God. And he just, he moved about. And I keep reminding our church that, that we gather. Listen, we gather, and I'm all for the gathering. But we gather you here to worship on Sunday so that you can scatter throughout the week and be proclaimers and declares of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Missions is all about taking and proclaiming the gospel where it hasn't yet been proclaimed. There's places in every neighborhood and every nation that have no gospel presence. Listen, guys, I live in Piatone. It's a a pretty conservative community, but I can walk. This morning I woke up and I walked uh, almost three miles this morning, and I can tell you, house after house after house after house after house, there's no introduction to Jesus Christ. The other day I was out on my walk, and I saw this mom. Lose her mind with her kid. I mean, just, and how many parents have been there where you've just lost your mind? Right? And I just thought to myself, I wonder if she knows Jesus Christ. I wonder if someone has taken the gospel into that home. And I know that there are neighbors all in my neighborhood. I know that there are people, I, I coach junior high basketball in our community, and I know that there, there are people that are, that, are, that are spread out all over our neighborhood that are far from God. They're struggling with their marriages. They, they have financial difficulties. They have uh, uh, issues of faithfulness in their marriage, and their, their kids are involved in drugs. Yes, in Pietone, we have kids that are involved in drugs and alcohol, and on and on we can go. And I'm sure that the same story could be said in your community, in your city. And so we have got this responsibility. We have this wonderful opportunity that we've been invited to by God himself to introduce people to Jesus Christ. And some of you, that's your story. Someone shared with you the the sweetness of God's grace and the goodness of the gospel, and your life has never been the same. Your marriage has never been the same. Your kids have never been the same. And from the ground up, your foundation has been rocked, and it has now been laid on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, all because someone was willing to declare the good news of the gospel to you and to your family. When you think about it this way, God gives you your vocation. God gives you a job. And he does that in part as a platform or a network of relationships through which you can make disciples. Most of you think uh, uh, that you come to church. And, and by coming here, and I, I'll be honest with you, it surprises me that this many come to our, many people come to our church. Just to be honest with you. I'm like, I wouldn't drive five minutes to hear me preach. Like, I just would. Some Sunday mornings, man, I stand by the window. I'm like, I can't believe they came back. I can't believe they're still here. Like, I'm just, I'm honest. Like, I just, it fascinates me. Because I know that it's not about me, it's about Jesus Christ. And I believe that when the gospel is declared, and when Christ is lifted up, and it's not about a man, but it's about Jesus, hey, listen, God says I'll draw all people unto myself. And so, you think, I, I believe, many of you, hey, I'm here to support the ministry, and by doing that, I'll show up in attendance. It's the other way around, friends. Pastor Mike and and Pastor John and myself and Clint and Pastor Ben, our responsibility is to support you. It's to encourage you. It's to coach you up. It's to equip you to do the work of the ministry. One of the most frustrating things that I have to deal with is I come to work every day and I primarily work with people that already know Jesus. You notice I said primarily, right? Because some of them I got questions about, right? I'm just kidding. So, Many of you, you work with people every day. They have needs. They have marriages that are falling apart. They have kids that are out of control, and they're struggling with, how do I raise this child? We've got, we've got university students in here today that they're struggling with, uh, you know, all the, all the difficulties of sexuality and, and drugs and alcohol and, and, and partying and all the things that go on in a college scene. And, 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 and they'll meet more lost people on Monday morning than I will see probably an entire week or month, if you will. So, so we've got to get it out of our minds that we just come to church because that's just what religious people do. No, we've got we to shift our thinking to a whole new paradigm that, hey, God has called me into his will. He's called me into his work. And that means I, too, like the missionary in, in, in San Paulo, is taking the gospel into his neighborhood. God has called me to be a missionary right where he has placed me to live, work, eat, and play. That's my call. And so when we go into our neighborhoods, we recognize that we're missionaries. In the book of Acts, we see that the gospel spreads faster through the hands of ordinary people. It wasn't the apostles getting up and preaching to large crowds. No, man. It was people just serving those that had needs. In fact, you've heard me say that that 39 out of the 40 miracles that happened in the book of Acts happened outside the doors of the church. They didn't happen in the gathering. They happened as people were serving others and giving them the message of the gospel. And here's what I want to challenge you with today in, in terms of you being a missionary, you being a disciple at a baseline. This is a baseline of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Listen, if you don't know and aren't praying for some lost people to come to Jesus then there's a pretty good chance that you just don't understand the heart of God. If you don't know, and you're not praying for some people that don't know Jesus, there's a pretty strong possibility that you don't understand God's heart. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And friends, I want you to know this morning that God was willing to bankrupt heaven in order that you and I might know a relationship with Jesus Christ. He gave everything. So, so, so generosity, not an issue for God. Uh, giving up and sacrificing His best, not an issue for God. God was willing to bankrupt heaven so that you and I might know Him. No program. It doesn't matter what program it could be a wanna. It could be MOPS, it could be growth groups, it could be a missions conference, but no program can be substituted or can compete with passionate proclaimers of Jesus in the gospel. We can run all the programs we want, but if the people of God, those of us that claim to be disciples of Jesus Christ, if we do not have a heart to proclaim the gospel to those who have not been introduced to Jesus Christ, there is no program that will compete with you are the program, and each one of us has been called. But then we see this next thing. Not just a declaration of the gospel. but We see that Jesus was just simply this. Very simple things. He was just dedicated to people. Look at verses 36 and 37. The Bible says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And the Bible says here, when he saw, when he saw. It's so easy to look right through individuals, isn't it? I've taken the disc profile, and um, I'm, a, I'm a very, very, very high D on the disc profile, which means I'm very direct. That means I can be very abrasive. That means that I don't have, um, it's not my tendency to really listen to people. I, I just look at them and nod. Fat Clint comes in uh, about 50% of the times, and he starts talking to me in my office while I'm in the middle of the task, and my eyes just glaze over. And a lot of times I just have to stop him and say, you know, man, I wasn't listening. He goes, I know. And I've I've grown in that and through that throughout the years. I I acknowledge that. And it's definitely an area of growth, but I'm I'm confessing that to you in large part because I think part of our culture is that we kind of look through individuals. In fact, we try to socialize, if you will, with people that can add something to our life that can make it better for us. And so in this passage, Jesus ministered. Listen, you might jot this down, it's just very simple. Jesus ministered to individuals. He ministered to individuals. He wasn't worried about the crowd. He wasn't worried about the gathering. In fact, the Bible says in one instance when Jesus spoke, they, 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 there were many that ceased following him. In part because he's just going to tell them the truth. But Jesus ministered to individuals. He saw, he saw, listen to this, he saw with clarity the need of the individual person. For Jesus, people were not an inconvenience. They weren't an imposition they were individuals in need of a Savior. And, and friends, that's what ministry is. That's what, that's what missions is about. It's about the person. It's about the individual. It's about the marriage. It's about the student. It's about that one person that's without hope at the end of their rope, and they find it in Jesus Christ because someone had a passion to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And I wonder for how many of us, how many of us do we consider people to be an imposition? How many of us do we see that that, that others are an inconvenience? And I want to say to you today, if we're to make a difference in proclaiming the gospel, we have to see the world through the eyes of Christ. We've got to be dedicated to serving others. And it's not uncommon for us to be so focused on our thing that we forget there's a world around us in need of the gospel. Selfish people, selfish people will never leave a legacy. Mark it down. You never find selfish people leaving a legacy. We can become so focused on our kids. And listen, I think God has commissioned us to raise kids that that grow up to know love and follow Jesus and and make a profound difference in the world with their lives, contributing to make this world a better place and advancing the message of the gospel. But man, we can become so consumed with our kids. We can become so consumed with success or friends or popularity or even school, going to making the, 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 you know... Uh, the the, the dean's list, or the honor roll, or or, or popularity, and on and on we can go. Then we go on about our lives, listen, and we don't see others around us that have a need to hear about Jesus Christ. And here's what I want to challenge you. Don't become blind to the brokenness to those around you. Like the single mom that was baptized last week, who's going to have a child here in a few months, and said, man, I, I came back because I felt welcomed here. I came back because I wasn't judged. Or about, don't be so blind to the brokenness around you that you don't see the marriage falling apart or the, the lonely teenager, the lonely college student that's far from home and they're, they're debating on whether or not to give in to some temptations or to some peer pressure. Hey listen, don't be so, don't be so blind to the brokenness because I, I imagine, listen, I imagine that the path that Jesus was on, the Bible says and Jesus went throughout all the cities. I imagine those who followed Jesus with him took that path regularly. But when Jesus took it, when Jesus took that path, he just stopped and he just ministered to the individual. He just took his time. Because in that moment, nothing else really mattered other than introducing that person to Jesus Christ. Now, how many many of you have ever gone to the mall and you've seen those funky-looking pictures that's a picture in a picture. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's got, like, all those dots on there, and you're supposed to stare at it. And if you stare at it long enough, and if you focus on the center dot, like, there's another picture. You guys know what I'm talking about? I hate those things, right? Like, I stand there, and I look, and I look, and I, I don't know if it's my personality. Like, I just, I can't see what else is there. I try to take my glasses off, and that surely doesn't help. I mean, I take that off, and everything Is blurry. You know what I'm afraid? We can stare sometimes at the ordinary lives that we think that we are living and we can miss out on the extraordinary things that God wants to do in our lives. It's very much like a picture in a picture. We can just stare right through things and not see what's really there, specifically in the lives of those that God has called us to administer and to advance the gospel. But I believe that Jesus saw pretty clear. In fact, he had a very clear motive. The Bible says that Jesus had compassion. The word compassion means to feel something in the bowels. It's the seat of thought, action, and the will. Can you imagine saying to someone, I love you with all my bowels. I love you with all of my bowels. I mean, that would sound weird, right? But what it means is this. Jesus, his burden was a deep seated compassion in fact the magnitude of christ's love is measured by the cross and his compassion his his deep-seated concern led him to the cross led him to lay his life down in payment for our sins it led him to sacrifice everything so that we might be reconciled back to god because every time jesus saw a need he was wrecked with internal compassion and if you don't understand this, that tells us how far we might be removed from Him. So I want to ask you, when was the last time that you were turned inside out in love for someone that was far from God? You guys with me today? When was the last time that you were turned inside out? That you just you saw someone that, that desperately needed to know the love of God and needed to be introduced to Jesus Christ and it kept you up at night. It just broke your heart to see their marriage falling apart and this person being so lonely and maybe being on the brink of suicide or being on the brink of making some terrible choices in their life and and you desperately just wanted them to know and love and follow jesus and know that they were accepted by him because that's exactly what jesus did for us you see this clarity of brokenness that's not just the motive but the true state of a person and he saw this in regards to their disposition, because the Bible says they were harassed, which meant troubled, and helpless, which meant downcasted or rejected. I want to I be very clear on this. Jesus' mission was not a crusade against disease or, a, or, you know, or anything of that nature, but it was a ministry to individual people. This was part of his ministry, and it's essential to ours as well. And here's what I want you to understand this morning. Those who proclaim the gospel will be loving. Because you know what we do sometimes? We see a person that their marriage is struggling with, you, you, we're like this. Well, I saw that coming. We see the person that's homeless on the street, and you, you're like, well, I wonder what they did. I mean, can't they get a job at McDonald's, or can't they just get a job somewhere else? My wife and I, I mean, some of that stuff has radically changed for us since we've started fostering. Because sometimes the system is so broken and there's not really a, a way to fix the system. And there, there, there are problems in our society that are, that are systemic that, that, to some degree, I don't know that they're even uh, able to be repaired. And, and, and there are advantages that some of us have had that others haven't had, and, and we're able to move along in society and, and in wealth in ways that, that other folks aren't able to do. And so Jesus was able to see the true disposition of a person. Man, write this down if you will. Judgmental Christians will never reach the world. Judgmental Christians will never reach the world. Friends, I want to tell you the church is here to proclaim that God loves sinners and that Jesus died to pay for sins, and God was willing to bankrupt heaven to seek and to save the lost. And there is no sin God cannot forgive, and there is no sinner uh, God can't receive. And so Jesus was broken, if you will, over their death, over their disposition but also their destiny. Look in verse 37. He says to his disciples, he says, look, the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. The harvest isn't just the mission field. You know what the harvest is? But get this, I didn't know this until I really kind of studied this passage out. The harvest isn't just the mission field. It's the end of the ages. You know what? You plant some seed like they do out here. We got soybeans this year. There's about 50 some acres of soybeans adjacent to our property. They plant soybeans and Come this fall, guess what? They're going to harvest up those beans. There's an end point to the harvest. Those beans will be harvested. The harvest is the final judgment, which means that everyone will stand before a holy God. You see, Jesus ministered to people because of their terrible condition, and he could see their ultimate destiny. And we lose a portion of our motive when we forget this. And I think it's easy for us to lose a sense of imminence and, and inevitability of, of the eternal judgment because there's no way. Listen, Mike did as best as anyone can do, and Pastor Mike did as best as anyone could do in talking about, about hell. But we don't talk about it enough. In fact, I think it was John Wesley who uh, was the, 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 uh, the pioneer, if you will, of the Wesleyan movement. But John Wesley said the only theological education that our seminary students need or should have is if we could open up the portals of hell and allow our young men who are preachers to go in and sense that and hear it for just a few moments because it would be all the motivation they need for a lifetime for them to tell other people about Jesus Christ. I'm not here to be sensational this morning. I'm not here to guilt or shame any of us today, but we need to be reminded that men and women, boys and girls, red and yellow, black and white, all over this globe will one day spend eternity somewhere forever. 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 Do we need a reason to go? No, man, I think we need a reason to stay. More than 1.6 billion people have yet. Our planet has 7 billion people that occupy this space that we call Earth. And yet 1.6 billion people have never heard the name of Jesus Christ over 6,500 people groups that means there's there's different tribes and communities of people that have their own language and listen friends they remain unengaged with no strategy for church planning or the gospel and as a pastor I'm going to be honest with you I'm not here to be a cheerleader I'm not here to be like hey guys missions conference is coming you really should be there no nah, man You should feel the weight of this text. You should feel the weight of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because when you feel that, we don't need to get up and say, hey, we need you you to give generously. We need you to give a dime on every dollar because that's what Christians do. That's what followers of Jesus Christ do. Because that money, that generosity, hey, that goes to advance the gospel here and around the world. We we would not need to get up and say, hey, we're going to meet for three nights. And I know for some of you that's going to be a sacrifice and that's going to be an inconvenience and I know that's going to be an imposition. I know that many of you have young kids and I I know that that's a challenge. I've gone through much of that with our own children. I understand that. I understand sports schedules and education schedules, all of those things. But listen, when there is a need in the world to introduce people to Jesus and there's an inevitability and an urgency to make sure that people know who Christ is, you do all that you can all that God has given you to leverage your life and your resources so that the gospel can go to the ends of the earth. Because it matters. It really does matter. And what we find in the life of Christ is this declaration of the gospel and his dedication to people and lastly, his dependence on prayer. Because Jesus says this, now pray earnestly. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. That he might send out labors into his harvest. One thing that we don't need to do, and I remember sitting in Bible college, and I remember being a young man. Man, it just grips my heart. Because I, I need this message as much as anyone does, because it's easy to go through the motions, man. It's easy to forget this, the, the sweetness of God calling you into something that really is significant. It's something that's eternal. It's something that really matters. But I remember sitting in church as a young person, and hearing missionaries come through our church, and hearing pastors come through our church, and talk about the need that is in the world for people to be introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, and I remember sitting there and I think, I don't know what I could do, but I, I can do something. And I can be a part of something grand and something uh, that's eternal. I, I can give and I can go and I can surrender. What God, I don't know where that's going to lead me. I don't know where that's going to take me. I don't know what God's going to ask of me, but I want to be a part of it. I want to see what God will do with a life that is surrendered to Him. And have I always been surrendered? No. Have I always been generous? Absolutely not. But over the years, I've learned that God will bless the faithfulness of a person's life as they give generously. As they're willing to go sacrificially. As they're willing to give what little they have. And when we put what little we have together in this community, there's an old hymn that says, Little is much when God is When God is in it. Some of you know it. Little is much when God is in it. And you heard me say a few weeks ago, if God can take a Hebrew happy meal and feed over 10,000 people, he can take your 10% and, and, and your grace giving, and he can send that to the ends of the world so that those that are far from God and those that are forgotten can truly know who Jesus is. And man, it amazes me. We get stirred up. I just, I find it fascinating. I mean, when I was in Bible college, um, Sarah McLaughlin, you know, was a big deal. She sang that song for the movie City of Angels about, you know, Nicholas Cage dies, and then somehow they meet. I can't remember the entire storyline. But, but she, she sang that song in the, in the Wings of Angels or something like that. And I, some of you are laughing because you like Sarah McLaughlin. And I did too, and I know that's weird, but it was for my wife. You know. <laughs> they, but now they've taken that song. And they use it as background music for a a, a commercial to help save cats. It's cats. It's cats. Because I'm just, who wants cats? You know? (laughs) Anyways, you can email me at comcast (laughs) this week. But you know, like, we can see that video we could hear that song played, and we just like, man, I'm just shoveling it out for the cats, man. Like, I mean, it's strange the things that motivate and move us to give generously. <laughs> and we've been watching all month videos about missionaries, and we're going to have an opportunity to hear from some, some heroes of the faith. And yet, our hearts remain cold. Our hearts can remain indifferent. Our wallets remain closed. And Jesus says in this passage, it's profound to me, because if it were me, I'd be like, hey, let's have a conference on missions or a conference on evangelism or let's, let's gather people together and let's network and do this. Jesus is like, no, you just kind of need to just pray. Because the thing that will move the gospel forward in my age and in the age to come will be when God's people get on their knees and on their faces before me and they pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into his harvest. And I believe that as a church, that as we become the people that God has called us to be, one of the things that we will be will be a people of prayer. And as we become a people of prayer, there will be no issues of generosity. There will be no issues of do we have enough workers in the nursery or enough workers in the kids' ministry or, hey, we have this opportunity to plant a church in Joliet or we have an opportunity to plant a church over here or over there, who wants to go or who wants to give. There's no issues because we are surrendered and yielded to God's plan. And friends, I want to tell you something today. God's at work. God's doing stuff all around the world. The question is, is, do you want to be on board with what God is doing? He's not here to guilt or shame anyone. He's just to say, hey, look, this is what's going on. Are you in or not? You want to be a part of this or not? And sometimes we want to be a part of the extraordinary, but before you ever, ever, ever get to the extraordinary... You have to find your way through the ordinary. I don't know, man. Church sometimes just seems kind of like a a mundane routine thing, doesn't it? But sometimes you just show up and God meets with you, doesn't he? Sometimes God just speaks with you. I know, reading your Bible every day, sometimes it just feels like, man, I'm just going through the motions. And then one morning you're reading your Bible and it's like, bam, God's right in this room with me. Where did that come from? Hey, just because you don't feel God's presence doesn't mean that God isn't. He's walking with us all along the way. I want you to think about this. You ever have a day where you just feel like you get slammed with stuff? might mention that this week. Just like every single you, know, you have days like that, right? You just, you're kind of going through the day and you're just like, I'm just trying to get this done. And I need to get this done so that I can get to this place at this time. And I just want to wash my hands of it. And it just feels like, doesn't it? Like some days you just get slammed with stuff to do from the moment that you get up. The kids have a need. Your boss is calling. This is my favorite. You have to resolve a financial issue with Xfinity or Comcast where they overcharge you by 200 and you're on busy. You know, you're like on hold. You've called it our busy time. You will now be on hold for the next seven hours. And now you're just busy all day. You get to the end of the day, and you're just dead tired. And all you want to do is just sit on the couch and unengage. You were so busy. You can't name a single thing that you did that day. Nothing on your to-do list. And here's what I'm afraid for some of you. I'm afraid some of you, you're, gonna, you're going to to be like that with your entire life. Because if you're not careful, you're going you're to go through your whole life busy. And you're going to come to the end tired. And realizing you never did the one thing that Jesus commanded all of us to do, and that's to be a missionary in our neighborhood and to the nations. And I want to tell you, you don't have to be in vocational ministry to engage the mission. In fact, that's what's limiting much of our effectiveness as a church. And our prayer is that God would cause some of you to plant churches in other cities locally. Our prayer is that some of you would begin to engage in what God is doing here through your generosity. Some of you just, you know, you know uh, the statistics say that 2% of those who attend church, give 2% or less of their income. No, let me take that back. 2% give the, the actual tithe, which is 10%, and then the other 2% give less than that. Like, it's just crazy. And it, it's, it's fascinating to me that the simple baseline things of being a follower of Jesus Christ, we, send to str- we tend to struggle with the most. We trust God with our destiny, but we don't trust Him with the day-to-day. So here... What's limiting much of our effectiveness as a church is is our inability to engage in the baseline things that God has called us to do. So Some of you might be called to a mission field for a season or for a lifetime. How how crazy and how incredible would that be if if God raised up some missionaries? Some of you that are in this room today, you could find a job and your vocation and relocate to a mission field strategically with one of our missionaries and help them advance the gospel in in a whole other country. You don't have to go to Bible college to do that. Are you guys with me today? You don't have to do that. That wouldn't be be far stretched this morning if someone said, you know what? I could be an engineer in another country. I, I could be a teacher in another country. I could use my skills that God has given me in another country. Hey, listen, I hear you're planting a church up in the city. I could do this in the city. And I can move my family into this neighborhood so that in the urban center of our community, The gospel could be advanced, and I could do this there. The reality is, is Jesus gave us a simple plan to do that, whether it's here in Green Garden, or whether it's in the city, or whether it's around the world. Declare the gospel, dedicate yourself to people, and depend on Him in prayer.